And so there is major construction and reconstruction. All right. Uh, for businesses, people are taking this adversity as an opportunity to expand and increase. It's kind of amazing how sometimes secular society takes advantages of what Christians complain about. And so while we are complaining about how difficult things are, the secular world is using this as an opportunity to position themselves for when things rebound. It's as if they are operating in a greater level of faith than those of us who call ourselves believers. Alright, so with all these construction going on, I have to pass out in the Senans Bay area. And there is a major work going on out that side. They have one side on the hillside where they just um, have bulldozers and all these big equipment to burst through the, the, the mountains and create pathways and roads and buildings. And on the other side, um, on the ocean side, they have um, cleared out the area and you begin to wonder, I wonder what they're going to do there. But do you know that somebody knows what is going to happen? The person who gave out the job for the land to be cleared already has a vision. He has an end in mind and the end start. What we are seeing is what he has already completed. We are beginning to see something that he has completed in terms of vision, casting and writing. He has written it down. He has drawn up plans and did all of these things. And now we are seeing the beginning of an end vision of his. Alright? And it's happening right across us. But as we reconstruct in a physical, I also believe that there's a reconstructing in the spiritual that needs to take place. That's a reconstructing of our lives. Coming out of the pandemic, we need to, we need to reconstruct. We have fallen into a rut. We have fallen into a particular way of operating because of the rigors and the challenges and the difficulties of the pandemic. Now that we are out of it, it's time to, to rebuild, to renew. And like my son this, said to me this morning, Daddy, you should add recycle to that. All right? I'm, I'm, I'm not sure about that one, right? But, but we need to renew, we need to rebuild, right? And we need revival. And that is the reconstructing of our lives, our personal lives and the lives of those around us. And that's what we're going to be going through for the next couple of weeks. It's called Reconstruction. That's a series. And this morning I'm going to speak about reconstructing our lives. Our key text is taken from Nehemiah. That's what we'll be going through. But we're at Nehemiah chapter 1. And for the purpose of time, I will read the four, first four verses. Because it has the hardest names to pronounce. And I'm very sure you get a good laugh when I mispronounce them. So I'll just start off the sermon like that, right? So you can at least laugh at me, so when I start laughing the back at you, you don't feel bad. Alright, so Nehemiah chapter um, 1, um, from verse 1 to 4, I'm going to ask you to find that in your Bibles, and when you find it, as usual, I'm going to ask you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word. We're going to read the Word of the Lord together, and then we're going to hear what the Lord has to say to us. Nehemiah chapter 1, I, I call Nehemiah, it is a book that is east, north, east in the Bible. See, if you go take your Bible, go east, north, east, you'll find Nehemiah. Meaning, it is the end in between Easter, Esther and Ezra. So, east is for Ezra, north is for Nehemiah, and the other E is for Esther. It's east, north, east. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on, just lift your Bibles up. Hey, don't, don't follow me. That don't make any sense, right? I just... Come on, lift your Bibles up and declare with me that this is God's word. 
not Pastor Omar's word. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are opened. And I better not go to sleep. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name. Amen. Remain standing as I read for you. It says, these are the memoirs of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. In, in late autumn, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Hananiah, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, things are not going well. Just like somebody, you go foreign and they ask you, how are things going on in Jamaica? Things are not going well. For those who return to the province of Judah, they are in great trouble and a disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. Amen and amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Indeed, your word is truth. You are not a way, you are the way. And there is only one way. There is only one mediator between God and man. And that mediator is Christ Jesus. We rely on you this morning. We decrease so that you would increase. Lord, have your way. Not our will be done, but your will be done this morning. Transform us from the inside out. Speak to our hearts and our minds. May our eyes see your truth. Our ears hear your voice. Our minds comprehend your word. Our hearts receive it gladly. And may we be ready to do that which you command. We bless you and we thank you and honor you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Listen, walls are very important. The story in Nehemiah is speaking about the torn down walls, the broken down walls of, of, of Jerusalem. And walls are very, very important. Having boundaries in life and in, in, in our sense, it's speaking about having boundaries. Um, we're, we're, uh, this is at the back end, but I'm going to give you at the front end so you understand. Broken down walls will lead to broken hearts and broken hearts will lead to broken lives. And every life needs walls. Walls are important because walls set boundaries. Without boundaries and borders, there is no restrictions and limitations. And life needs limit. Amen? People need boundaries. You have to have 
boundaries around your marriage. You have to have boundaries around your finances. You have to have boundaries. Where there are no boundaries, people will squat. Where there are no boundaries, unwanted people will enter. And they will begin to occupy. And that is why one of the first things a person does when they purchase property as a proof of ownership, they put fence around it. In the same way, our lives need boundaries. You need to have boundaries around your life. The problem is the pandemic has broken down some of our walls. And so because the walls are broken down, we are exposed to squatters coming in. What I'm talking about when I say squatters, squatters are people who come and occupy something that don't belong to them. And so there are forces of evil and darkness and spiritual wickedness and powers and principalities will come and occupy space in your life because your walls are broken down. The broken down walls in Jerusalem symbolize so many things. Right? Because it gave the people their identity. It says that this is ours. This is us. This is us. And that is why a, a nation's people are the people who are living in the geographical space are treated differently. Alright? So, in, in our country right now, there is a big deba debate about uh, footballers representing the nation. And, and what they're saying is that wherever they are born, they are Jamaican. And then other people are saying that, listen, but if we have all the people who are born in England come and play for Jamaica, then what will happen to the Jamaicans who are born in Jamaica? So they're saying that J Jamaican is a nationality, but Jamaica is a geographical space. Jamaica has borders. Jamaica is not everywhere. Jamaicans are. And so there's a difference between the people and the place. But if you go back to the Bible, God made place before he made people. So in order of priority, place comes before people. Amen. In the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth place. He made a garden and then after he made a garden what he did? He made man and put him in the garden. You have to have the garden. People have to have the boundaries around your life before you put them in it. You have to give people a designated space to be in. And your life needs a designated boundary around it. Alright? So we're going to see what happened because the walls were broken down and then we're going to reconstruct the walls around our lives for a better life. Amen? So the building and the rebuilding or the reconstructing of wall, it dates to ancient times. Throughout human history, governments and militaries and have constructed what we call defensive walls to keep enemies at bay. And in the same way, when we have walls around our lives, it keeps the enemy at bay. Famous walls include the Amorite Wall. The Amorite Wall was a wall that stretched over a hundred miles between the Tigris and the Euphrates River. That is modern-day Iraq. All right? And we also know about the Berlin Wall, right? Separated East Germany from West Germany. Here we go. We also know about, and that was because of the Cold War. All right? And then you hear about the Great Wall of China. All right? Uh, that was an unbroken barrier, which at some point is up to 25 feet tall. All right? And that was to prevent enemies from coming into China. They wanted to keep their people in a space where they felt like they could best protect them. That's what wars do. 
All right, another wall that is famous, that is connected deeply to biblical history, is the wall of Jerusalem. So we focus today on Nehemiah, who received the disturbing report that the wall was broken down and the gates had been burned with fire. Can you imagine? Like, like if you hear that you have set up some perimeter fencing around your property, someone comes and tells you that they have torn down the fence. The gate that you built has been destroyed. Right? Immediately what comes into your mind is that somebody is planning and invading the space. Amen? It makes logical sense to think that way. So the first thing people do, this is very funny because it happens down, it happened down the road. There's a place I think called Laughing Waters. And people used to go through the fence and go over there. And they kept on putting up fences and people kept on finding a way to go through the fence. Right? So they had to put a security there. And then the people would complain and say they are so evil because they put a security gear out there in the hot, hot sun with no place to shade. But they realized that the fence was not enough. They also had to put guards. Sometimes in your life, you need more than a fence. You need the spirit of God to be standing guard around the fence of your life. Or else the enemy will still find a way to breach your security. Amen? Amen. But because this is an event that happened in biblical times, perhaps it's hard um, for us to garner much sympathy for Nehemiah and his people. And because few, if any of us, have had the experience of witnessing the walls or gates of a place uh, broken down or the gates burnt with fire. But if we ponder for a moment what walls can symbolize, then the story becomes one which we can relate in our modern day context. Walls are structures that give definition to an area and provide security and shelter. So walls are structures that give definition to an area, they provide security, and they provide shelter. Every human being wants to have the sense of safety. That one gets when they meet their basic psychological needs. Amen? People want that. People want to know that I can eat, I have security, and I have shelter. Amen? Amen. Alright. It is a concept that is best articulated by the American psychologist Maslow who was known for creating Maslow's hierarchy of need, right? A theory of psychological well-being connected to fulfilling innate human needs. Food, shelter, and clothing. The identity and pride of the people of Israel were attached to the wall. In other words, this is what made them, in their eyes, Israel. We are Israel. This is Israel. And so now the walls are down, so they lost their identity. There was no self-actualization. They felt like we, we are nothing, we are nobodies. Listen, the truth is when your walls are broken down, you lose your worth, you lose your self-esteem. You, you, when there are no boundaries on your life, you don't know what your worth is. You allow anything. You, like, like anyone can come in. You will do anything because you have no boundaries. Right? There are some things I don't do. 
Because I have boundaries. There's a book by Henry Cloud called Boundaries. It's a very good reading. You probably should read it, right? Because, listen, you will not live a controlled life until you have boundaries in your life. Amen? So the walls are destroyed. Its destruction brought desolation and despair to the land. The people were in despair. It brought desolation and the people were disgraced. The broken down wall affected them so much that they were in a state of disrepair and disappointment and discouragement and disgrace. It wasn't only that their psychological needs were not being met. But it also had an impact on their sense of fulfillment and self-actualization. The people were affected because there was no walls. We, who are we? We are nobodies anymore. We have nothing. Our identity has been taken because the walls are gone. In fact, there were some who had stayed. Some who had stayed in Babylon... Because they couldn't identify with what was happening at that point. Because listen, there is nothing. We are nobodies. We have nothing. Imagine if you were to purchase some property. And they didn't tell you what you purchased. Alright, I'm selling this for $5 million. Okay, here's the $5 million. Where is it? Anywhere. Like, so where is the boundaries? Well, they are no limitless. Limitless. You'd run in all kinds of legal issues. You'd, you'd probably build on someone and say, hey, you're encroaching. And you spend money to build and then it gets knocked down. You see why boundaries are important? Because it tells you what's yours. It also tells you what's not yours. It tells you how far you can go. It tells all of these things. So when walls are gone, life gets messed up. Broken down walls leads to broken hearts. And broken hearts leads to broken lives. And I'm telling you, many people, wars got affected during the pandemic. And many broken lives are out there that needs to be reconstructed and rebuilt. In fact, let me say it this way. I, 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 before we get there. The, the, one of the problems the church is having now is that in the church, the walls are so broken down that we can't repair the broken lives or the broken walls in the world. So the church needs to be repaired so that the city can be repaired. We're going to get to that, right? So I don't know if you have ever felt that way before. Have you ever felt like everything? Um, you know, something has come in and destroyed all the walls in your life. Feel like you have lost the sense of security that you once had. You felt like right before all of this took place, your life was on an upward trajectory. And then, man, bam, COVID came in. And oh my God, you couldn't go far in again. You couldn't complete a degree. You know, there was a disconnect. You didn't get the promotion. The company downscaled, downsized. Listen, everything just changed. You were growing in your face and the pandemic came and you had to go online and you couldn't bother anymore. But just, just, just things just changed. Like maybe you lost somebody in the pandemic. And that person was important to you and it affected you emotionally. The wall was broken. You planned for something, but something intercepted that plan. And life has become 
discouraging, depressing, and even for some, there's a sense of disgrace. Or maybe, or were you, you, you felt like the job, the relationship, your dream, or something else did not turn out the way you expected. That sense of disappointment can make anyone, even the most assured, confident person, to question their purpose and their hope for the future. Everyone, everyone, even followers of Christ, at some point in their life has to deal with instability, uncertainty, lack of accomplishment, and other things that make us feel we have no walls or no structure in our lives. All of us go through it. Man, things are not the way you desire them to be. The walls are down. As Christians, we have to realize that we have the resources to rebuild the walls in our lives. And that's the, the good news this morning is that it's not over. Reconstruction can take place. Rebuilding can take place. Revival can take place. Renewal can take place. The walls can be rebuilt. The walls can be rebuilt. We have the spiritual resources to rebuild the spiritual walls in our lives. The story of Nehemiah uh, rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem gives us insight on how we can fix the things in our personal lives that need to be fixed. We are all under construction. We are still being shaped and molded by the Spirit of God. So I'm going to give you a few principles that we should focus on to ensure that we have structure and stability in our lives to do whatever God is calling us to do. Remember, when the man is starting to build, what we begin to see with the clearing of the property is the man's end vision at work. But he has completed everything already and he has get, gotten all the resources. So if he's going to build like houses for you to purchase, when you see that first house laid down in his head and in his mind, everything is done already. He has gotten all the resources necessary to finish the project. But when you see it, you say, oh, new construction. The, the, the person doing the construction says, listen, no, this is done. I had this all planned out. I did a draft and all of those things. What you're seeing is just your beginning. Are your beginning is my ending and restarting for your sake. But it's done. So, so how do we rebuild the walls in our lives? The, the, one of the first principles of rebuilding the walls in our lives means finding our passion. You have to find your passion. I like the way how this starts with Nehemiah. The scripture said, When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. It became a burden on Nehemiah's heart. He said, Oh my God, my city, my place, my people... This is what is really happening. When he heard these things, he sat down and wept. What are the things that make you cry? What are the things that, that when you hear about them, you are so moved with compassion because it, they, they say, touches a nerve in you. If you are going to rebuild the walls in your life, if you are going to be rebuild the walls of the people around you in their lives, listen, you have to be moved by the things that affect them. And that is why today, like some of us are moved when we hear that a child dies. Other person, listen, it, it don't affect them the way it affects us. But, but for us, that's a burden on our heart. 
And every great move of God in scripture started with the person having a passion for the thing. When you go back and you look at Moses, Moses had a passion to see freedom with the children of Israel out of Egypt. And guess what happened? God worked with that passion that he had. David had an issue with how the Philistines were dealing with the children of Israel. And so he had a passion. He said, no, who is this uncircumcised Philistine trying to defy the army of God? His passion to see Israel being a nation that God called him to be, put him in a place to do something about it. The scripture said, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. Nehemiah received the news of how bad the city of Jerusalem is doing. He heard the plight of his people and his homeland. And when he heard the news, the scripture said, he sat down and he wept. He wept because he had a great God-given passion for the plight of his people. If the church is going to rebuild the walls in our city, then we must have a God-given passion for the plight of the people around us. We have become more careful and careless. Listen, I said to the first service, the biggest issue with the church is the fear that we're living in. The church has become so careless. Instead of they're caring lesser people, that when they see people who don't look like church people, they are driven into fear said it in the first service and I guarantee you that if I, I could prove it right but I won't for your sake. I want you to stay with Jesus. I could get everyone out of the church. I could use five person and get every believer from, from leaving most churches. All I need to do is to get five of the most notorious men. Bleach out face, gangsters coming in with screw face. And most church people and I'm going to send one to sit close to the choir want to sit close behind the pastor just strategically position them and I mean everything changes the whole focus of church will not be God anymore it's casting out the demon it's fighting, it's kicking them out it's, it's who are they, why they come like that why them bleach out them face, why them have on so much tattoo why them dress like that come to church listen call the police on them you see a bad man them, them need uh, listen and here's what happened and the longer they come is the more the, the more people feel like I can't be around these people Listen, I, I could use females and do it. All I need them to do is to just skimpy and come in here. Or them just come in and, and, and when them see the lady, yet, you know some of the young ladies are nowadays, they, don't, they talk like men, you know. So when they see other ladies, they say, Yo, what go on, bro? What go on, my brother? That's what they talk to other females. The females talk to females like that. Right? You bring them in the church, church people say, Lord of mercy, put them a gum on, but they don't go on, wear them stuff. Right? Listen, there's a fear that has crippled the church, so we can't. We are careless. We care less about people. We, we are not like Nehemiah who had a God-given passion for the plight of his people. We don't see these people and weep. We see them and say, my God, God, listen. I, I straight to hell them ago. That's how the church speaks. Nehemiah saw the plight and sat down and wept. The church stands up and criticizes and cuts them out. Nehemiah sat down. Nehemiah said, Oh my God. He said, How are the people doing? The people are not doing well. 
I want you to get that church. How are the people doing? The walls have fallen down and the people are not doing well. That's God's word. The people are not doing well. And when we hear that, we ought to sit down and weep for the people. So what things cause you to feel passionate? What has the Lord placed on your heart? What gift do you have that can also help build God's kingdom on earth? You see, too many people go through life moving from circumstance to circumstance without being intentional about their direction. The man who is doing the building, he knows that, listen, no matter what, if the price of material goes up, listen, this is what I'm going to build. He is controlled to an extent by the end that he has in mind. No matter what the circumstances are, he is intentional about what he wants to do. Nehemiah was intentional. Though Nehemiah saw how bad the state of the people were, he didn't let that deter him from the purpose that he set out to do, which was to build the wall. Listen, no matter how bad the people get, we have a great commission to fulfill. And as things get worse, we are supposed to preach the commission even more. In other words, continue to build the wall even though the disrepair is worse. It, it, it may not be as bad as, it may be worse than 10 years ago, but continue to do the work. Continue to do the commission. Nehemiah's passion, Nehemiah's passion was not just to build the wall for the sake of architecture or aesthetic. He, he wasn't just trying to oh, put up at the wall. He wasn't just trying to make something look good. He knew that the wall had meaning. He knew that the wall had meaning. Deep symbolism and substance to the people of Jerusalem. Listen, this is not just building a spiritual wall. But here's what happened. The people were in disgrace. And Nehemiah knew if this wall is rebuilt, disgrace will change to his grace. Ne- Nehemiah knew that, listen, somehow, if God would just help us to rebuild this wall, the same people who are in disgrace right now will get to a place where they are relying on his grace. In other words, listen, when walls are rebuilt, the disgrace is removed and his grace steps in. The person that you're looking at right now in disgrace because your walls have been torn down. The scammers and the gunmen and the prostitutes and all of these people. All they need is for the church to help rebuild the walls in their life. So they can experience his grace. But we are not moved by the plight of the people. Because we, are, we have our own walls that need to be rebuilt. Because of his passion, God used him to pull off a phenomenon feet. Rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem in 52 days. In other words, his passion fueled him so much that what was supposed to take years took days. There's a thing about passion. When you're passionate about something, it, 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 it gives you the strength that you need to carry on, to complete the task. It gives you the strength that you need. It also causes the process to be expedited. Let me tell you this. If, if the church ever get passionate about God, you'll see the gospel going out fast and people getting saved and life being transformed because what should have taken five years will take five days because the people are filled with passion and zeal for the Lord and somehow we have to have that passion restored for the walls to be rebuilt in our city and in our lives amen 
I like the second thing because rebuilding the walls in our lives requires prior. I love this because before Nehemiah acted, he prayed. Here's what the scripture says. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Don't act before you pray. I'll use this as an example, right? And I want you to remember this. Have you ever had someone come to you and say, I've been praying about this for a while now. And they ask you for your opinion. The next time they do that, say, listen, if you spend some time praying about it, they can't be praying for 40 days and 40 nights and come to you and want to answer them in 40 seconds. If, if you thought it was so important for you to spend 40 days and 40 nights praying about it, don't ask me to respond to you in 40 seconds. Amen? Give me my 40 days and 40 nights to pray about it. You get it silent. I'm just saying, if it is important and you had to pray, why do you want a 40 second answer? For some days, I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Right? He cried to the people, but he also cried out to God. For the walls to be rebuilt, we need to cry for the people, but we also need to cry out to our God. When life is not going the way we want it, it is tempting to move forward towards action. In other words, when you don't, when things are all messed up and the walls are down, you know what you want to do? You want to get to work. Before you get to work, get to prayer. Stop and pray. Please, please just stop and pray. Don't make a decision without prayer. Let me tell you, listen, there are some decisions in your life you don't want to get wrong. And there are the Eden decisions. What are the Eden decisions? The place, the person, and the purpose. The three important things in the Garden of Eden. The place, where you live, you need to pray. Because place is important. Adam and Eve lived in the garden. The person must be God chosen. Eve was chosen by God. The purpose, be fruitful and multiply, was given by God. You need to pray and ask God to show you the place, the person, and the purpose. You can't live life and don't, and don't pray about where you live. You can't live life and don't pray about who's going to be your partner. And you can't live life and don't ask God to reveal your purpose. Nehemiah prayed before he acted. Uh, notice how Nehemiah wept. But after he wept, he did not immediately say, let's build the wall. He went to the Lord and he prayed. It's because prayer gives you perspective and it gives you clarity. Clarity. It gives us the, an opportunity to be assured that we are moving by the power of the Holy Spirit and not by our own flesh. Nehemiah wanted to make sure that what he was doing, that God was in it and God was leading the process. The third thing in rebuilding the wall in your life, it means being in the right position. Right? You have to get in the right position. You have to be in the right place at the right time. Amen? Come and tell the person beside you, get in position. You have, you have to get in position. The worst thing you can do is to be out of position. Imagine if you watch sports, right? And you have your, uh, let's use uh, NFL, right? And you have your quarterback, right, playing tight end. 
and your tight end playing quarterback. You ain't winning no Super Bowl. You have to be in position. Right? You have to be in the right position. Now I want to tell you this. Nehemiah was in a very strategic position. For the walls to be rebuilt in your lives and in the lives of the people around you, you must be in a very strategic, God-given position in particular seasons of your life. You need to know what season you're in and where God wants you to be in that season. Because if you're in the wrong place, in the right season, you're still going to get half of what you're supposed to get. You have to be in the right place at the right time. In fact, this, the scripture says this in verse 11. I was a cupbearer to the king. But if you go over to chapter 2 verse 4, it says, the king says, to, 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 to remember, it says he was a cupbearer. He was a cupbearer to the king. The king said to me, this is Nehemiah 2 verse 4. What is it you want? So, Basically, his position as cupbearer opened the door for the king to say to him, Whatever you want, I will do. There are many truths from this, right? So Nehemiah was the cupbearer, right? Meaning he tasted the beverages for the king to ensure there was no poison. Right? That's a good job. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, this is awesome. This is some of the spiritual truths in this, right? What it means is that Nehemiah was willing to sacrifice his life for the purpose of the king. You realize that? He was willing to die so the king could be glorified. If you're going to rebuild the walls like Nehemiah, you must be willing to die so our king can be glorified. Listen, it also meant that the king trusted him so much and loved him so much that the king would make him. It's one of the positions that it was the king who appointed the cupbearers. Understand this, that this is the king that had him in captivity in Babylon and he chose a, 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 what they would call a, a Jew to serve a Babylonian king. Nehemiah was putting it all on the line every day. So that the king could be glorified. If any man desire to come after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. They say this in sports, no risk, no reward. But here's the thing. The greater the step of the faith, step of faith, is the greater the reward of faith. He put his life on the line. And a Babylonian king said to this, this Jew, this child of Israel, whatever you want, ask. When you begin to live your life in sacrifice for the king of kings, he says, ask and you shall receive. The principle is the same. This cupbearing job put Nehemiah in a position of power, which became a great strategic location to help him rebuild the walls. <laughs> you have to get in position. Too many of us are out of place. 
you're in the wrong place. And God is saying, listen, for Jamaica to change, for the nation to change, the church, the people of God must get into position. Get back into place. Think there's a favorite, a very famous saying they have in Jamaica, they say, hold your position. I don't even know, but it's some, some, some incident happened on social media and they kept on saying, hold your position. You have to hold on to your position. When God puts you somewhere, no matter what comes, no matter how difficult it is, serve where God has positioned you. He was, again, he was a Jew in a Babylonian empire. And he still served a Babylonian king. And that opened the door for him. Listen, to receive heavenly privilege, many times you have to allow God to put you in privileged positions. And those privileged positions many times come with sacrifice. You don't know it yet. You may think like you're wasting your time. But when God has you in position, just wait. Because there's a season when that position is going to give you access to things that you would not have had access to. So many believers says, who I don't want that position. Have you ever heard believers says, who I don't want to be involved in politics. I don't, listen, wherever God wants me, I'm going to go. Because I don't know what God's next move is. But I want to make sure that I'm in position to serve him when he's about to make his next move. Amen? No, number four. Rebuilding the walls in your life demands persistence. You have to be persistent. Come, let us rebuild Nehemiah 2 verse 7. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. And we will no longer be in disgrace. I love this because every time you desire to do something for God, every time you're going to rebuild the wall, you're going to have a Tobias and a Sanballat. There's somebody who's going to tell you that you're wasting your time. There's somebody who's going to come and tell you that you're going backslide. There's somebody who's going to come and tell you, say, leave the wall. Why are you locking me out? Why are you locking... They're going to come with all of that. And you have to keep persisting. You have to keep building. You have to keep doing. Because, listen, there's a disgrace that is over you. And for the reproach to be rolled away, the walls must be rebuilt. The boundaries must be reestablished. And the limitations must be put in place. When Nehemiah started out on the journey, he realized that it would not be easy. He realized that there would be no quick fix. But he also committed to rebuild the wall. It may be long, but it will be worth it. It may be difficult, but it may be worth it. Be committed to the cause. It may not take one day. It may take 52 days. But you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. On day one, you may not look like you're doing nothing. On day two, listen, I look at the construction around me and I'm trying to figure out what are they doing. And they will come to you and they will say, you need to invest in it now. And you say to them, invest in what? They said, we are building houses. Where are the houses? You can't see it yet, but if you buy it now, you get it at a better price. And people go and they get mortgages and they buy based on word. Uh, isn't that how it works? They tell you if you buy early, you get at a lower price. You go to the mortgage company, you take out a mortgage, you purchase. You don't, this is a, you have never even met the person building the house. 
You have never checked their credibility. You don't know their credit score. You don't know if they are reputable or not. They have never done construction. This is first time. And, and, and we go ahead and do it, right? Come let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. And we will no longer be in disgrace. You don't have to know the end. All you need to know is who is at the end. And Jesus is there. Jesus is there. It won't be easy. If you're building a wall and you have no opposition, maybe you're building the wrong wall. <laughs> I'm telling you. If, if there's no Tobias or Sanballat around you, you're building nothing. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you. You need, listen, you need Sanballat and you need Tobias. I'm, I'm telling you, you need them. Amen. Listen, you need opposition so you can rely. You can lean in on the Holy Spirit. If, if you realize that you're having known problems in life, you need to check the road you're going down. <laughs> I'm telling you, you, you need to pray and say, well, Lord, um, um, just, just send some problem. I need to be sure. <laughs> that, that I'm on the right road. I don't know. But, but listen, I, I don't know. Jesus didn't have it. So, so if there's no problems in life, something must be wrong on the road that I'm on. So when you have the problem, that's it. I knew this. Through trials and tribulation, we enter the kingdom of God. See, Nehemiah was persistent even when, even in the face of enemies. Attempt him to stop him from completing what he set out to do. They will come to, to try and stop you from what the Lord wants you to do. Keep on working. So let me ask, what destroyed walls are in your life? What do you need to pray to God about to be rebuilt in your life? Let us rebuild the walls through the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't do it. And that is why Nehemiah prayed. Because he wanted to lean in on God. And rely and depend on God. So we need the Holy Spirit. How does that work? As I close I want to share the very simple. God works begin. When we allow him to break us. You have to be broken. You have to be broken. I believe that. It is when we. We are broken to Nothing then God becomes our everything. I have, I have this bag right here. Um, I know none of you don't know. I mean, do you know what is in it? If, if, if something is in it, but please, if you're in the first service, don't, don't mess up my stuff. This is for the second service. Don't, don't do that, right? I will, I will write you a suspension. All right. All right, so I have a bag here, right? And I have some goodies in it. Um, can, you see what is, can you see what is in it? See, look, look, you see? Alright, tell me what is in it. Le leaves. Leaves are in it. Alright, thanks. Leaves. And the leaves are? What? What? If you're in the first service, please do not answer. What kind of leaves are these? 
green leaves, pimento leaves. All right, there we go. All right. Pimento. All right. You're all convinced. <laughs> all right. So let me let me get let, let me. So I just said to you, right? Just said to you, God work. Let me get let me get a better a better leaf. God work begins when we allow Him to break us. So we're going to talk about biblical brokenness. This is a pimento leaf. Pimento is is, is such a powerful thing, right? Because watch this. The the real essence of this is not at this stage. And this, this right now is how we are. But how we ought to be is crushed. Right? This is just one. But after a while, you'll begin to get the essence of the pimento. Until the pimento is crushed. You don't really get the fragrance. As long as it remains, I, I like it because the leaves are not perfect. They have all kind of blemishes. But when they are crushed, you don't see the blemish. You get the fragrance. The truth is, as long as you stay a leaf, uncrushed, your blemishes will be clearly seen. But when you get crushed, the blemishes don't matter because your true essence is revealed. The fragrance that comes up. This is just one from a little branch. Let's call it that. One leaf. And that's part of the problem with the church. Imagine if all these leaves were crushed this morning. Imagine if every person in this room had one leaf and we all crushed it. We probably would not be able to stay in here because of how strong the fragrance would be. The point I'm making, the point I'm making is that it's only the ones that are crushed in the church. What God wants is the whole branch to be crushed so that the fragrance would be so strong that whoever is around us will smell the aroma of Christ in the life of the church. Come on, you can clap your hands. Let me say this. There's no beauty in this. But leaves look beautiful. But there's no meaning to beauty if its real purpose is not meant or meant. So at the end of the day, uncrushed people can be beautiful without purpose. But those who have gone through the crushing really release the true essence of an inner beauty, which is the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on, clap your hands for, for Jesus. Biblical brokenness means to be crushed to the point of total dependence upon God. It means that I'm, I'm detached from everything else. There is no worth. There is no value. All that I am now is in Christ Jesus. 
Listen, un- until we reach this point, God cannot and will not use us. God can only use those who have been crushed and those who have been broken because the real essence of them is now exposed. I, I love how David says it in Psalm 34 verse 18. He says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Psalm 51 verse 17 says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. He says in Psalm 147 verse 3, He heals the broken hearts and He binds up their wounds. I love that because He's saying that, listen, the broken place is the best place to be because it is a God-used place. So if your walls are broken down, listen, all you need now is the Lord come rebuild the walls of my life. Because listen, brokenness is important. And here's what I know. I, I know this because the Bible says this, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. I always tell people that you get broken because God loves you so much that God will also break you if you refuse to break yourself. And one thing I know, I'd rather humble me than God to humble me. Amen? Broken walls leads to broken hearts. This leads to broken lives. In the first few verses of Nehemiah, we see the evidence of a broken person. But look at his prior. Here's what brokenness led to. Brokenness led to, um, uh, brokenness will cause us to reverence God. Nehemiah was broken by what he saw. So in his prior, in verse 5, he says this. In verse 5, then I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commandment. In other words, he's expressing a deep reverence for God. The state of brokenness will get you to a place where you begin to reverence God. Brokenness will also cause us to repent before God. The state of brokenness with Nehemiah, he says this in verse 6 and 7. Listen to my prayer. Look down and see my praying night and day. For your people Israel. He says, I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, decrees, and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. Brokenness will also cause us to remember God's promises. In verse 8 and 9, it says this. Please remember what you told your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the end of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. I I love that because God... Because of his brokenness, he, he reminded God. He said, God, remember. Remember you said that if we are exiled, if we obey you, you would bring us back to the place. I want to tell you, maybe God, this morning, God wants to bring you back to the place where you will honor his name. And he's saying that you need to be broken. And if you are broken, you will be brought back to that place. Brokenness will also lead us to make bold requests of God. And so, uh, Nehemiah made a bold request in verse 11. Here's what it says. It says, Oh Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. It says this, Please grant me 
success today by making the king favorable to me. I love this. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. Listen, he got so broken. And here's the thing. Broken people can make great requests of God. The man said, God, put it in the king's heart. Lord God, to be favorable to me. By the time he got to the king, the king said to him, What do you want, Nehemiah? Listen, the broken people can make bold requests of God. The broken people can remind God of his promises. The broken people will repent before God. The broken people will reverence God. We must be broken. While we are being broken, we need to understand that there are broken down walls that need to be rebuilt. Maybe that's where you are at this morning. Maybe the walls in your life, the boundaries that you had, they have been broken down. And you need to rebuild those walls. You have allowed squatters on your premises. People have been breaching the security. You need to rebuild the walls. And maybe there are people around you who their walls need to be rebuilt. But you haven't been broken enough so the real essence of you, the fragrance of Christ can emanate from your life. And people will see and feel it and turn to him. So I'm going to ask you to bow your head with me this morning. There's a song that we used to sing about brokenness. Brokenness is what I long for. I, I want to pray for you this morning. Today I want to pray for you, right? I want to pray for some of you because I know you're here and life, life, is, life is rough. Life, life is tough. The pandemic has been difficult. And there probably were some good practices that you have and disciplines. But the walls have been broken down. Maybe the financial walls have been broken down. The emotional walls have been broken down. In fact, being been broken down people don't like to, to say boy I'm broke down you know in Jamaica we use that word but generally people go through breakdowns they have emotional breakdown they have mental breakdown they have financial breakdown they have even spiritual breakdown but you can't tell them that you're broke down because that's derogatory but I want to understand the word that the scripture uses. It says the word disgrace. Sometimes we need to be in a place of disgrace. So we can begin to understand and appreciate his grace. I love the admittance in the scripture. The admittance in the scripture is we are in a bad state. Things are not well. And until we can get to that place, we will never change. See, the world tells us that you can't make it sound so bad because of what people think about you. But that's not true in scripture. The scripture made it bad and God looked at them. God responded and the walls were rebuilt. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Listen, if you have to listen, if you have to look to see what somebody else is doing, you don't need to do a thing. Because whether you respond or not, it's not a problem to me. This is God's time, not my time. So if you want to look around to see what other people are doing, hopefully that, that will encourage you. Honestly, you're really wasting your time. 
heart because God knows your heart. I want you to be open and honest before God because that's all you can do. Not before me, not before any of us, but before God. Are there broken down walls in your life? Eras where the boundaries have been breached. And those walls need to be rebuilt this morning. You have allowed and entertained things that probably three years ago you would not. Maybe you're going through a mental breakdown or an emotional breakdown. Maybe you have a broken heart because of the open breach. The king gave Nehemiah everything that he needed to rebuild the wall. And this morning, the king of all kings will give you everything you need to rebuild the walls in your life. So if that's you this morning, you see, you know what? I know there are walls that need to be rebuilt and I need to go to my king, Christ Jesus. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet and I'm going to lead you in a very simple prayer this morning. I won't be long because this is your declaration going to give you a couple of instructions and I'm, and I'm doing this not because it makes us any, any more holier but I'm just doing it out of obedience to the Lord. I'm going to ask you to lift your hands right where you are and with your hands lifted I want you to admit and say Lord I admit this morning that there are broken down walls in my life some caused by my own bad decisions some by the circumstances of life I invite you now King of Glory to come and rebuild the broken down walls in my life Hallelujah. With your hands lifted, just the Lord, renew my passion for you. Give me a new zeal and a new passion this morning. I choose to pray before I act. When I see the plight of people around me, I will not only weep for them, but I will cry out to you. I want the Lord position me in strategical places for your timely moves. When you say, Lord, I commit to being persistent in the midst of opposition I'll fight the good fight of faith hallelujah
Come on, just say, Lord, I choose a life of brokenness. So that the real essence and fragrance of Christ may flow from my life. Hallelujah. Listen, let me just, let me just, just, let me just encourage you this morning. Maybe you're watching online and maybe you're here and this is for you. Just, just, just a couple of seconds. I don't want to miss this. You need to recommit your life to the Lord. Right. Listen, you can't keep doing what you're doing. Because you won't stop doing what you're doing. I don't know who that is for this morning. But the Lord says, you can't keep doing what you're doing. Because you won't stop what you're doing. And this is like, this is like the morning that, in the same way Nehemiah was broken and he prayed. As you have come to this place of brokenness. God will give you the strength that you need to fight against and win against every enemy but you have to make a decision it's going to be tough but trust God so ask the Lord just just the Lord strengthen me to do what is right and what is godly Hallelujah. Nehemiah, the whole story with Nehemiah ended. With Nehemiah being, you know, I'm going to end with this and then I just want to do one thing for me in a second, right? In a minute. Nehemiah ended with the people, some coming back to Jerusalem and some staying in Babylon. You know what's the awesome story? That Nehemiah had privileged position and sacrificed that to build walls for people. And what that means, it was never about Nehemiah was always about others and it would be pointless if we did all of this for us so here's what I want you to do you know somebody that's going through some stuff and their walls have been broken down so I want you to right now just open them out and just for one person call them by name and I want us to pray for just one person this morning one person maybe it's a family member maybe it's a co-worker maybe it's a neighbor maybe it's a schoolmate maybe it's a spouse Maybe, I don't know, but just for one person. Maybe it's a, it's a church brother or sister who have walked away from the faith. But I want us to just spend one minute and pray that God would come. That God would intervene into someone's life and rebuild the walls in their life this morning. So let's just do that right now. Just take a minute and just call the person, whatever the name is. Maybe it's Patrick. Maybe it's Paul. Just say, Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus. And you begin to pray. I pray that this person, Lord God, will that God, you would just uh, encourage them in the spirit. That they would recommit to you. That the broken down walls, Lord God, will be rebuilt in the name of Jesus. God, do a reconstruction. Do a renewal cause a revival in their hearts right now in the name of Jesus come on you just call that person name say Lord I pray that they will be broken in the name of Jesus so that the real essence of their life can be felt and seen in the name of Jesus
it is possible church because Nehemiah prayed and God responded and so when we pray we trust that God will respond in Jesus name so we thank you Lord God and we receive right now of your fullness and of your grace and of your majesty and of your power we thank you we thank you and we bless you in Jesus name Amen Hallelujah Come on just give, put your hands together And give the Lord a big hand clap Hallelujah Come on he deserves better than that Give him a bigger hand clap than that He's up to something good Listen as you have prayed Listen as you have prayed God is doing something good When Nehemiah prayed before he got to the king The heart of the king was changed As you have prayed for someone Before you get back to where they are God is going to change your heart that when you open your mouth to speak to them, they'll be ready to receive. Amen? Amen. Come on, clap your hands to Jesus. Hallelujah. He's up to something good. He's a mighty God. He's a strong God. He's a great, great God. He is renewing your life. Continue to trust in Him. Continue to believe in Him. As Nehemiah sacrifices his life daily, may your life be a living sacrifice daily to the Lord. God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful rest of the week.